Thanks for joining us for this week's message here at NAPNAS. We're glad you could tune in with us. We pray that as you listen, you walk away from this podcast encouraged, inspired, and uplifted by the power of God and His Word. All right, well, good morning. It's good to see you today. I'm going to jump right into the point um, because I'm a little squeezed here. And uh, you know how I am, so I need to jump right into the point, right? But I do encourage you, if, you, uh, if you're able, uh, go online, uh, answer the poll question. We're going to come back to that and visit that at the end. It's the idea of where have you seen the most prejudice in your life? Where have you observed the most prejudice in this world? Uh, is it in race? Is it in ethnicity, which there is a difference? Uh, is it in economic class? Have you seen prejudice between rich and poor, uh, or poor to rich, which normally doesn't happen, but um, where have you seen the most prejudice? And answer that, uh, and we'll, we'll visit that in a moment. The premise of this series for this month is, is this, um, the world has been, oh, it already jumped up there, I didn't know it was going to jump up there, all right, now we're off. The world has been, is, and will be plagued by trouble. All right? Uh, The premise of this is what Jesus said as he's going to the cross. And he said, listen, in the world you're going to have trouble. It's just a part of this world. We have always known that, but especially in the last three or four months, we have again been face to face with just how much trouble exists in this world. And Jesus said, listen, a fallen world is always full of trouble. It has been, it is, and it will be. Uh, don't, don't, don't be um, uh, overwhelmed by that or distraught or trying to figure. It's just the nature of a fallen world. He said this, though. A Jesus follower's relationship with the world is, and this is how I'm hoping that you will begin to frame the way you think. Maybe you already think this, but this is the way we think based off of what Jesus prayed, how he presented, what it means to be a follower of his, is our relationship with the world is, I live in, I'm not of, I'm sent into. Live in, not of, sent into. That's how I understand my place in this troubled world, this imperfect world, this world that brings a lot of despair and even seeming hopelessness, and is this all there is, or uh, can I expect anything better? And we know as children of God that the promise and the story, the narrative of God is much larger, larger than this present world, and yet we realize, hey, I'm here, I'm a part of this, I live in it. Uh, I'm not of it, though. The way that I think, the values I have, the systems that I live by, the lifestyle that I have is something that is not drawn from this fallen world, right? I, I don't live by the ways of this world. I'm not of it, and yet, incredibly, living in but not of, I'm actually sent into, and what I'm a part of, who I am, as a Christ follower, provides provides the framework For bringing the kingdom of Jesus, the hope of the world, the light of the world. My position as live in, not of, sent into, it provides the opportunity, the framework for bringing the kingdom of Jesus into a broken, desperate, and lost world. I want to make a preference to this 
sermon this morning. Last week, we talked about if I'm going to understand how to live in and be not of and sent into, that it calls for spiritual discernment. Uh, Paul prays in the book of Ephesians because these people were facing the same things that you and I. How do I interact? How do I live in a troubled world, a fallen world? I don't know what to do with this, right? So Paul writes this book to Ephesians, to the, to the people in Ephesus and the surrounding area, and he is giving them understanding as well as us of how to navigate this. And the first thing he says is, I just pray that you will always live with revelation and out of that revelation wisdom, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you might be able to discern, to live every day with discernment, that the messages that this world uh, is flooding our lives by, you would be able to discern value that God honors and calls us to, or is this a worldly value? Where does this end up? If I pursue this, will I end my life? Do they align? Give me discernment to navigate through this world. And so today I want to talk about how as he is writing and he kind of says, hey, remember who you are. And he affirms their relationship, their position in Christ. And then he begins to relate this because of who you are. This is how you live. And he first of all has talked about discernment. That always praying, God, open the eyes of my heart. Help me to live, not just believing everything I hear. Considering the source of what I'm hearing, is it trying to help me in this pursuit of living God's purpose in this world, or is it a self-centered, worldly pursuit? God, give me discernment. Then it's amazing how he then touches on an issue that has always been around for for all of us. Since Since the world fell, this has become a major issue in our world. I would preface what I'm about ready to talk about. Uh, I would preface it with this kind of statement. Uh, what I'm talking about today is not a statement in support of, in support of, of any group. Okay? Can you hear clearly what I'm about ready to say? This is not my way of saying, hey, what I'm talking about today is also in support of a, of a group that exists in this, in this world. Um, I'm praying so hard, God, give us discernment as we wrestle with our troubled, problematic world and understanding the agendas of the different groups that rise up in the middle of this trouble, right? Um, I believe that many things can be true. I believe that things can be true at the same time. For instance, it's obvious that racism exists. At the same point, it's also true that police are overwhelmingly good. These things are not exclusionary of one another. It's not an either or. The world is trying to push us and certain messages are trying to push us to either or, are they not? Guess what? Both can be true. I like those little circles I've seen uh, somewhere. I think it was on social media that I can believe all these things at the same time. And they're all true, right? So this is not some kind of comment or sermon based off of black lives matter. Okay? Black lives do matter. Amen? Uh, Police. 
were overwhelmingly good. Amen? Yeah. Both can be true. It's not an either or. Have discernment and understanding agendas that exist behind what you hear or presented in the news or social media. Uh, listen, just like I find that most of the people, the colleagues in my profession, are some of the salt of the earth people. Pastors are just, they're wonderful, right? They are. I mean, but guess what? There's some bad ones. There's some charlatans out there. There are some that have went after things. Uh, what was it? Um, uh, I'm in a Bible study every week, and we were talking about false teachers. And, you know, false teachers are always after the girls, the gold, and the glory. You know what I mean? There's been those guys always have existed, the girls, the gold, and the glory, right? Some of you are looking at me like I'm weird, like, but those end up being the scandals of false teachers so often. Look at the scriptures even. You know? Does that mean that just all pastors are bad? Please help me here. <laughs> no! And so in this conversation of police officers, are there cops that, that are racist? Yes. Does that mean all cops are racist? Absolutely not. Come on, let's have some common sense here. Pull yourself together. Like that old ESPN show. Come on, man. So don't think I'm trying to prop up some kind of group or conversation here. We are approaching this from the only mindset that matters, and that is the kingdom perspective. That's who we are. We're not Democrat, Republican. We're kingdom people. First and foremost and primary. Amen? All right. But I would say this. It's, it's amazing to me. In 2018, there was a poll of us Americans, 2018, before all this blew up, 97% of Americans in this poll would say that racism is still a problem. Some said it was a major problem. Others said it's still a problem. On the spectrum of major to still, 97% said, yeah, I think it's a problem. Only 3% said, no, no way, not a problem. And so it's amazing how Paul, as he's writing, uh, how to interact with this world, be in the world, not of, uh, but sent into, this comes up, all right? And so let's read, let's understand a little bit about what he's saying and how to think from a kingdom perspective. Therefore, remember that formerly you are, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. Some of you uh, mentioned that sometimes the references aren't at the bottom. I am sorry about that. Uh, I, we will fix that. But uh, the Bible app has it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, for those of you that are reading in the scriptures. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were, of, who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those who called them the circumcision, uh, which is a process that is done by hand. It's not genetic in nature. Remember that at the time you were separate from Claude, from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. All right, these words, separate, excluded, and foreigners, sounds a lot like uh, words that could be used in our description of the current racial climate. Could it not? Separate, excluded, foreigners. Yeah. But what I want you to understand 
and just in this brief way, and I, I mean, I have to be brief because I want it, the back end of this is where I want to land. But I want you to understand, and would you please just forgive me if I don't flesh this out like I would want to just because of time constraint. But I want to say this, that in the biblical narrative and story, race is a social construct, not a biblical concept. In the scriptures, there is no such thing as races. There is the human race. Okay? To think biblically, to understand, and right here, uh, Paul jumps into the only dividing thing that has been uh, enacted in this world was actually enacted by God himself and it was a covenantal distinction not a racial distinction all right so as Christians as followers of God and understanding the biblical story there has never been the idea of race we are the human race Ethnicities and cultures have sprung up. Remember Cain, who begins to pursue his own thing early on. He begins to create his own culture, if you read in Genesis. You have the Tower of Babel, where they all separate, and they begin to just move across the ends of this earth, creating their own cultures. And their genetic wiring and coding, as they came together, it's a, it's a it's diverse. Amen? And really, I've been, I, I've, I've went to, um, black theologians this week, all right? To just read and to study. And, and it's, it's always cool to do that. Um, and really, even when I say black theologians, I hate even saying the word black, right? I hate that we have to, you know, but we have created these constructs and, and it's not wrong to say black because it's the part of the diversity of the world God has created. Some of us are brown, white, black. Who cares? Those are just, those are just genetic things that have sprung up out of our singular human race. But to hear their perspective on this and to say, listen, you guys, all of us have this, it's a pigmentation of our color. We all have this, this pigmentation, just some more than others, right? It's been fun to read through that. I can't get into that. It's 955, all right? But can you just grab a hold of the biblical concept is there is no idea, there is no idea of race. There are ethnicities, right? Cultures that do different things that then spring up and they, we form nations, right? We form all this stuff. It's all a human construct. And so as we think about this ongoing discussion of race, understand that it's not a biblical concept. It's a social construct. That is really important for us to grab a hold of. Now, what's, what I do want you to see is he talks about this idea of prejudice, which is a huge issue. His, the core prejudice issue in the world has always been Jew-Gentile. Jew and everybody else. You know what happened is God calls out Abraham. Abraham, who his genetic coding is just like you and I's, right? I mean, he wasn't like all of a sudden he was just somehow born a Jew. He became a Jew through a covenant. 
Like, right? Like, there's just, okay, I cannot belabor this. I have to keep moving. But what happened is God's called out people through Abraham. He makes them. laws and hygienic laws and they are so different he wants he wants the rest of the peoples of this earth ethnicities people groups not races to say what in the world's going on with those people he's trying to draw attention to himself because he wants them to Okay, so why do they act like, oh, it's the God that they have. What is the thing about this God? He's always trying to draw attention to himself because he's got a plan in mind, right? And the, that plan starts with drawing attention to himself through a people to help them understand that this God is other. He's different. This God is, is holy in his moral nature. He is all these things that I want but it's culminating in one person, right? Jesus Christ. And he's, but what happened was, and this is a, a huge thing for us to understand, is that God's people who were given just a special mission, that's it, in their sinful fallen hearts could not handle that. And they began to adopt a superior mindset and attitude. against the rest of the world. People to carry out a mission. It wasn't there was anything extraordinary. He just needed those people to carry out a mission. And they couldn't handle it. And all of a sudden, they adopted through the centuries this mindset that they were Jew and everybody else was all to read some of the the way that they in Jesus day would have thought uh it's amazing um uh, uh, l- listen listen to some of this Jews thought that the Gentiles were created by God to fuel for fuel to use in hell they thought that only Israel was loved of God and all other nations were hated it wasn't even lawful to aid a Gentile mother who was giving birth to a baby because you'd be responsible for bringing another Gentile into the world. If they were in a Gentile country and they came back into Israel, they would shake the dust off their feet. Um, if a Jewish boy or girl married a Gentile, they had a funeral because they were dead in the Jewish life. Um, because touching a Gentile in any way physically like that is tantamount to death. See, what happened was God does make a covenant distinction between these people and everybody else as a way to begin to invade this world. Now, that wasn't his goal, right? But he started this path, and it shows us what so often happens in all of our sinful hearts is we gravitate toward prejudice, and the Jews couldn't handle it. And they became superior in their minds. I mean, I, listen, the rest of the world is just fuel for hell. What kind of, I mean, you talk about discrimination. Talk about prejudice. This is what existed in this climate. And this is what Paul says. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the bud of Christ. 
He said there was a sense where the Gentiles, um, man, you didn't even know about God. The Jews at least knew about God. Now they still were sinful in their heart. You didn't even know who the true God was. And so well, there was a sense where there were those who were near and those who were far away. Jews were near yet sinful Gentiles were far away and sinful. And he says, what Christ has done is he has become our peace, has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The temple, the temple had four courts, right? And the outer court was the court of Gentiles. A Gentile person who wanted to become a proselyte, uh, uh, not a prostitute, proselyte. Like wanted to become, a, he believed the Jewish story. He could only go into this outer court. Then there was the court of women, and then it moved closer to the Holy of Holies, right? He said, Christ, what he did, what the kingdom about, it's just destroyed any kind of wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two thus making peace this new is a cool word it's not new in the sense of an upgrade like i got a new iphone like there's an iphone 8 i have an iphone 11 it's still kind of it's just an upgrade this is new in quality a whole new dynamic is existing where Christ used the Jewish people to bring Christ into the world, but his goal has always been, will always be, is that he has always been the God of the whole world. His, his people are called out from all peoples. Okay? He came and, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. For though he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Both, both groups, Jews and Gentiles, needed the gospel, right? Uh, for, those, for through him we have both access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also the apostles and prophets with chief cornerstone is joined together and rises to become a whole. You and him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So he, he says, listen, this idea of prejudice that has existed, it's been shattered. Positionally, God never, prejudiced and he that they were closer to God and they actually believe that you had to become a Jew before you could become a Christian that's what Galatians is written about and all this stuff and he's just shattering everything right there's no hostility there's no barriers there's no nothing my goal always was one people what's amazing is he finishes this he says the vehicle by which this is to be proclaimed and lived and understood is the church. The church models this idea of one, right? And so out of this, it's why in Colossians he would say this. Listen, there's no Jew or Gentile. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no barbarian or Greek. 
The Greeks did this. It's what every culture has always done. Prejudiced. We're Greeks. Everybody else is barbarians. Right? He said, this is all gone. Slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. And that slave or free is an important distinction I want to talk about here in a minute. There is no sense of rich or poor. In the New Testament, the story is larger than even prejudice toward uh, ethnicities. It's a prejudice against rich or poor. It's a prejudice against social status. All of that is eliminated in Christ becoming peace for all people. What are the results of that, that poll? Where do you see prejudice the most in your world? Do we have that? Social status, number one. Economic class, 32%. Race, 25%. Ethnicity, 7%. You see, the more I've thought about this this week and why I have said the word prejudice and not race, race is a part of prejudice, is because what Christ is, what God is getting at in this section is striking at the very heart of prejudice. That God's people do not hold prejudice of any kind. And the larger New Testament narrative is beyond just Jew Gentile. It's rich, poor. It's social status. I've always asked myself, would I treat, um, who's somebody that could walk in? LeBron James. Would I treat LeBron James different if he walked in today than I treat Kurt Wells? Should I? No. But see, our culture is creating these, these constructs of this person's more valuable. This person is more this or that. And the world pushes us to that, and the kingdom is always striking back against us, saying, no, you know what? There's not a one of us that is more valued than the other. And the eyes of Jesus, the actions of Jesus, are to treat everybody the same way. Always. That's what's amazing about the saints that I have encountered in my life is they would spend as much time chatting with someone who was considered insignificant by this culture as they would talking to a dignitary that this world has given. It's a treatment all the same. There is not prejudice. Here's here's the four points I want you to, to understand. Prejudice is a natural outflow of a sinful heart. Why there's prejudice that exists in the world is because of sin. Our sinful nature gravitates toward a superior attitude. We find our identity in making more, being more successful, pride in our ethnic backgrounds, And that is what helps form our identity. We feel like we need these things to feel better about ourselves. We need class, status, culture to form our identity, to give us meaning and value. While all along, the kingdom calls for us to have one identity, and that is in Christ and Christ alone. And when your identity is in Christ, I no longer need these other identities to define me. And so then that breaks down prejudice in all ways. I mean, just think about our communities do this. Um, we do this. I see this all the time everywhere I've lived. Like there, 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 there erupts up these, 
these prejudices. Even I've thought about this even in our, in our sports culture, right? Uh, and this is just a small symptom. But there's just this, this desire to have a superior attitude, right? Can I dig at you a little bit? You're going to hate me. You know what's coming, don't you, Ron? The Ohio State. What's that? I jest with you, but Iowa culture has cyclones. Are you kidding me? Iowa State, they're a bunch of, you know. We do this. It's just an eight. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with a good-natured rivalry. Absolutely. All right? But why do we gravitate to where we have to feel superior then? Right? This is what we do. Like Napoleon defiance. Like, I get they're a good rivalry. Like, defiance, you want to beat Napoleon. Napoleon, you want to beat defiance, right? But then we just continue to carry it out. Well, yeah, we're a lot better community than them. Those guys over there are like... You know, like, and I could start throwing out all kinds of, or PH and Liberty Center, right? It's fun to have, in fact, the competitive nature, I think it's, but we have a tendency as humans, sinful humans, to carry it to a point where we want to feel superior over that other, because we need that for identity. And believers are like, I don't care. Yeah, I, I do. I want to, can I, I don't, what can I say? I enjoy beating Iowa State, man. I do not enjoy getting beat by Wisconsin for the last five years, right? I, yeah, I'm not saying it was just remove, but there is a sense where I don't need to feel superior in, in those things. That's just a, I'm trying to make a, a, a superficial illustration to a larger point of social status, economic value. Uh, we just do this. We create these constructs. Prejudice is a natural outflow of a sinful heart. In fact, I would tell you there's a, the, Peter himself, the apostle Peter, the leader of the new church, still wrestles with this. When he has this dream and he's Cornelius, and he has this dream where God is bringing Gentiles in and he reacts against it, and God has to continue to work him through his prejudice. What I'm trying to say is prejudice is a natural outflow of a sinful heart. And those areas in our life that still need God's work, we will find that often there's prejudice that God needs to work on and eliminate. Second thing is the kingdom culture has to supersede any other culture. If your culture gives you a pass to racism, preferential treatment due then you have to dump it. You know, the kingdom culture and the picture of this kingdom the third thing I would say, this is one I really want to talk about just for a minute, is non prejudice is the goal.
I believe that. But the goal as a kingdom citizen is to not just be non-prejudiced, but to be anti-prejudiced. What can I do? How can I live? How am I supposed to? Listen, when I am confronted with racism, prejudice of any kind, I don't just say, well, that's not me. I speak out against it. I push back against it. I had this conversation with somebody in our community, doesn't attend our church, business owner that I become friends with, and I'm having this conversation because he has some, uh, I, I thought, a, a interesting background for me to understand. He has, understands racial diversity and all this stuff. And I, and, I, and I was talking about this, and I said, well, what I found in my own, my own circle, and I've done this, I've done this with people that have been close to me, is something said that's a little racial in nature or prejudiced in nature, speak out against it. Say, I don't think that's right, man. And he was like, I was like, so, and I, I believe that he is non-racial, anti-racial. I said, so in your group of friends, could you speak out? Oh, man, that'd be really tough. Say, because there's stuff that comes up in his pers- perspective was racial, racial in nature, Right? that form of prejudice. He said, I don't know if I could. The kingdom calls us to not just be non-prejudiced, but to be anti-prejudiced. This is how we live out the values of God's kingdom, of having the courage and boldness to say, you know what? That is not right with our family and our friends. Amen. Yeah, it's a little bit less. <laughs> this is what a kingdom person believes. There's no, there's no races. There's the human race. Come on, guys. I mean, like, don't start talking to me about black, brown, and uh, in a sense of race. There's only one race. There is no more valuable people than another or any kind. Of, just eliminate that thought process, and I'm willing to speak out against it. In all forms. The last point, which I can't bring up, maybe the studio can bring it up for me, is we will not talk our law our way out of prejudice. We will experience our way out of prejudice. The best thing you and I can do to continue to be people who model the kingdom, who model the attitude and actions of Jesus, Jesus who is just... I mean, every social status he interacted with, every ethnicity group he was fine with, everything, he just embraced it all, did he not? He is the anti-prejudiced. And he calls us, he experienced it. He lived where they were at. He interacted with them. He entered into their world. And these are the questions I have for you today as, as we end. Have you intentionally moved toward those who don't look like you? Have you intentionally moved toward those who aren't in your economic or social class? Have you intentionally developed friendships outside of what you are comfortable with as you are always a a agent of reconciliation in this world and an agent of anti-prejudice? Am I willing to do that? Am 
I intentional even at times to say, hey, I don't understand your culture at all. I would be far more comfortable just doing my little Irish thing. But that's not the world that God created or that he wants us to live in. In fact, the diversity of this world is beautiful. And I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and say, you don't look like me, but I bet you we have some things in common. And I actually think that probably me and your life and you and my life could add a lot of value. Am I willing intentionally to do that? What about people that aren't in your economics class or social class? This is where it hits home for us in Henry County. Do I give people a side eye because they're not as well off? Am I willing to engage people that don't have the same mannerisms or lifestyle that I do? Am I just willing to just drop all hints of prejudice in all way and just be the kind of person that just embraces everybody as Jesus did? Treat some kindness and respect and equality. Because that's what God calls us to. Have you broken down walls? Or have you kept walls down that the cross has already broken So in the world, not of the world, sin into calls us to adopt a mindset that there is no races. It's a human race. Just look a little different. I'm not going to adopt the values of this world that's always trying to push social constructs on me of race and economic status and social place and meaning. All these things. I push back against that. Not going to be of that. In fact, I'm going to be sent into where I'm going to be willing to embrace, be friends with, interact with, experience people that don't look like me, live like me, or even maybe act like me. Because that's the beauty of who Jesus was. And that's what he calls us to. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. When people in the church portray and live out this mission and image in the world, I would love for our church to be diverse as far as ethnicities. Guess what? It just doesn't exist in Henry County right now kind of hard to be a multi-cultural ethnic church when, what are we, 95% Caucasian, right? I'm not going to get mad that we're not because we don't, it's not here. But if it was here, we ought to be the first people that would want to embrace that. But you know what? There are certain other things, social standing, economic, that I can continue to ask God, don't allow prejudice to exist in my heart about that. We're all the same. He's broken down the wall. And in fact, I'm not going to be of that. And in fact, I'm going to intentionally be sent back in to break down any kind of prejudice. Because the kingdom is about us as one, one people, equal under the gospel, the mission, the message of Jesus Christ. I better stop rambling. Let's sing as we go.
Thanks again for listening in today. And thanks to those who give so faithfully so that together we can continue to be the light of Christ in this generation as you sow into the life and mission here at NAPNAS. If you feel led to give or to learn more about NAPNAS, simply head to napnas.org. There, you'll find previous messages as well as everything going on in the life of the church. And if you found value in today's message, would you share this with a friend or on social? Because it is together that we exist to help people take their next steps in a transforming relationship with the Prince of Peace and King of Hope, Jesus Christ.